0: Hi everyone this is the latest episode of dialogues on applied channel theory i'm jonathan in beijing and i'm here today with Lee, who is in hawaii hi mate
1: hi john good to see you
0: yeah how are you doing
1: not too bad i've been busy with a lot of covid cases actually
0: oh really oh wow is it, uh, it's uh quite pretty prominent pretty now at uh in in yeah, hawaii so we-
1: yeah, so our state is uh, one of two with the highest um, case rates right now.
0: Oh wow! So are you seeing inter- anything different about this uh, variant or this of COVID I, well, I, in terms of patients and channels and symptoms?
1: Well, well, the thing is, they don't come in. I don't let them come in when they're actively, wow. you know, with with the disease. So everything's just been kind of um, remote. I've been doing telehealth to help them out. Um, But I have some cases in my extended family as well. But the the lucky, the fortunate thing is that I think this strain has been um, pretty mild. So people have been getting better without, you know, too much lingering symptoms or any complications. So that's been fortunate.
0: Okay. okay. Today, our, our goal was to talk, just to answer some listeners' questions. So we've had a few questions on, like, people have been asking us questions on uh, Facebook or uh, Instagram. I think those are the two main ones. I've gotten actually a few emails too. Um, Mm -hmm. So we're gonna try to respond to a few of the questions. Um, And we'll just start, I'll just go through some of the questions and we'll just answer them one by one. Sure. We'll start with an easier one to answer is, um, this is from Brian and he asks, uh, how how often do you see patients with this system uh, in terms of like how many, how often do they come per week? He says like one time, two times, three times per week or more. And yeah. that's his question.
1: I think I think um, it depends on, on what they're coming to see you for and how severe, how chronic their issue is. Um, Cause I remember even Dr. Wang said uh, once a week, usually it would be enough for someone with, you know, not so urgent symptoms but if their symptoms are more severe and their and their condition is more urgent than twice a week three times a week mm-hmm. would be okay as well um for patients that pay out of pocket they usually can just see me once a week and they don't want to come any more often but i do give them a lot of homework and things that they can take home to um kind of continue um, what we're working on, like moxa, you know, if they're willing to do moxa bastion, I do give them homework, you know, where that's concerned and, um, sometimes herbs as well, but if they're able to come twice a week and I feel like they really need to come in twice a week, I would push for that, but, um, how, how has your experience been with that?
0: Um, well, I would say in Beijing, so generally speaking, a lot of my patients, they come, I would say the general patient will come like once a week because I think that's, uh, like what you're saying, a lot of people have uh, chronic issues. And I think that once a week is is enough for them. And as long as they can come consistently, that's why I always emphasize with them that they can come consistently, like at least for the first three to five treatments, then, um, mm-hmm. then that just gives me an idea of like how much I can help them or not help them and see and you can better monitor the uh, progress of the treatment. And then if it gets better to the point where like, they don't have to come as frequently, then I, I'll cut it down to maybe twice, a month or every two weeks or every three weeks and then slowly if they don't need any more then they don't have to come anymore but for like yeah. really some patients with very acute issues like um sometimes I, I recommend them to come maybe twice a week sometimes three times a week so if for example a person might have really acute back pain that's or very acute uh, migraines then I try to hope that they can come a bit more frequently at first until like their situation kind of stabilizes
1: that's pretty much what I do too like after <laughs> Um, If they come once a week after four or five sessions, I'll say, okay, let's reassess, you know, where, where are you with progress? Um, Are we able to cut it back to once every two weeks, or once every 10 days, people are pretty comfortable with that. But like you said, if it's something urgent, like, for instance, you know, for post stroke cases, and that something like that is time sensitive, I feel like um, I would want to push for more visit more frequent visits until there's like um a considerable amount of progress
0: right yeah. but i remember like yeah back at dr Wong, when dr wang was working i think he like in just if we were just discuss what how dr wang treated patients i think when he was younger like the situation was different in china right so that was like he was always saying that at that time is very cheap to get treatments so some people would be going for treatments every day right so he would see patients like right. uh, daily and he would be treating like a hundred patients a day when he was younger right yeah but then then (laughs) once he yeah and then once he got uh i think he did he would always tell us that patients it's better not to be treated every day right unless they obviously if they have some very acute disorder that might require that but because he said uh, you always the person's body also requires time to recover right so for the channels to um work their magic on their own you know you 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 Tinker. You, you stimulate the channels. Yeah. yeah and spawn. respond. His fear is always that if you um, like we t- had a whole episode on this before, right? On channel confusion or channel chaos. Mm-hmm. So if you stimulate it too much, right? If you treat them too often, that can also be detrimental to their, the health of their channels.
1: Yeah, that makes sense. Cause you want to allow the body to respond properly to the treatment rather than just keep on hitting it with the same stimulation.
0: Yes, yes. And not allowing
1: the so, a body, a body the chance to respond.
0: I guess when we were studying with Dr. Ron, by that time he already, he was only treating patients three times a week, right? It was like Tuesday, Thursday, Saturday.
1: At so, most, yeah. yeah.
0: Yeah, yeah. So then he would have like patients coming, some people come once a week, some people come twice a week, some people come three times a week. Um, also depending on the, the nature of the, the disorder too, I believe. But I would say average person when I was studying with Dr. Ron, they would come at least twice a week. Okay, so we'll go on to the uh, second question. When I uh, did a screenshot of the question, I cut off the person's name. So, <laughs> anyways, uh, the question is um, just about, I guess, order of needling. And also, a lot of people ask us this question too about um, um, do we needle bilaterally or not, or unilaterally, or opposite sides, or. Or contralaterally, or something. anyway. So there. So anyway, this question is: When you needle a point pair, do you needle the pair uh, bilaterally?
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Oh, when you needle uh, a lead point pair, sorry, do you needle the pair bilaterally?
1: Um, I I believe, like for uh, just watching Dr. Wong, um, I remember every time if it's something systemic. Um, Let's say, you know, obviously four gates, you'd have to needle bilaterally. Otherwise it wouldn't be four gates. But let's say if you're doing like um, lung five, spleen nine, that's usually for something systemic, right? And if it's for something systemic, a systemic pattern, then it's always bilaterally. But if it's for a one-sided complaint, um, usually he'll do it. He'll do the point pair on the same side as the complaint. So is that what you remember too? (laughs)
0: Oh yes, yes, yes. So it could be like, you know, patients like facial paralysis or like, you know, migraines on like one side of the head, he would always use like just unilateral points or yeah, points on the affected side, usually. But I guess the question here is like the lead point pair. So I guess that means that if there are more than one point pairs being used, I guess that's the question too. So like if you use more than one point pair, do you needle the pair pair or pairs bilaterally?
1: Mm-hmm. Um, I think so again it depends if it's um, if if both of the point pairs are for something systemic then we still would do both um, both sides of the body bilaterally.
0: Right. And, but if
1: one of them if one of the point pairs is for a one-sided complaint then you would need to know on uh, I guess the term is ipsilaterally on the same side as the complaint.
0: Definitely yeah. I would say though uh, that in Dr. Juan's practice that when he treated patients he i would say the majority of the time there would be only one main point pair right There's sometimes mm-hmm. there might be more than one point pair or there'd be one point pair with maybe an additional point here and there to that like mm-hmm. you could say point formula it would be like lung yeah. 5 spleen 9 and maybe he'd add like uh spleen 6 or something right or like a, uh or something mm-hmm. like that like he might not he wouldn't do like lung 5 spleen 9 PC-7, liver-2, larger intestine-11, stomach-36, yeah. like a bunch of point pairs all bunched together. It'd usually just be main, one main point pair, sometimes an extra point pair, but uh, another point pair, yeah. but usually just one main point pair, I would, I would say.
1: Yeah, that, yeah because his um, take was always that if you needle too many point pairs, because point pairs are really powerful and dynamic, right, in their functions. So if you needle too many of them during one session it can really confuse the body so right. the body doesn't know um doesn't have a clear kind of instruction as yes. to what to do
0: i think there's just um like sometimes he would use like more than one point pair like maybe two at most i would say
1: yeah but they have to be um complementary right because yes. let's say yeah sometimes he'll do like um let's say he'll do um simultaneous draining and, and tonification on the tie-in, for instance, and he'll do lung five, spleen nine, and then he'll also do um, lung nine and spleen three at the same time. Sometimes he'll do that, but at yes, least so. those two point pairs are complementary.
0: Yes, yes, definitely. Um, and there's a further question is also, when you need a point pair, for instance, the four gates, are you stimulating the needles on the same side until you get the or would you use left hand, right foot, for example? Hmm. Well,
1: that's
0: the a student was, uh, yeah.
1: That's a tricky question because four gates is, you're supposed to needle all four points. That's my understanding.
0: I think this is uh, the question is about the stimulation of the points. So like after you stick oh. the needles in, do you? Okay. Because uh, remember, I guess because uh, oh, okay. remember when Dr. Juan needled the four gates, he would after needling the points like all four. Of the points he would then yeah. do the contralateral kind of stimulation oh. technique like he put po- take the left handed large intestine four In the and right, right. right liver oh, okay. three and first you know twirl twirl mm-hmm. a bit stimulate until you get dirty and then he'd switch to the other the remaining two. Oh, okay that's that contralateral that kind, of okay. kind of uh uh yeah. relation so i think that like i only saw him do that with the four gates i didn't see him do that with other oh. points point pairs One reason I was thinking why Dr. One did that kind of contralateral stimulation, like first using the left, for example, left large intestine four, right liver three, and then switching to the right large intestine four, left liver three, like stimulating a bit. Because I think that goes to his understanding of how the four gates works, like how it's like, it jump starts or ignites the circulation of tea and blood in the body. So like, if you do that, you know, you do one point on the hand and one on the foot, it's kind of like starts moving the chi and that and the blood too like in this circular way it i creates think creates
1: a cir- yeah. creates a circuit rather than um stimulating both points on the same side right yeah
0: yeah 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 so i think that's like you can almost see like it's kind of creating the circular motion of the chi and blood moving yeah
1: like a figure eight almost
0: yeah 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 yeah, yeah. so i and and you know it would achieve the results of what he was ex- hoping to do with the four gates uh which is to in certain, a lot of cases we saw music to regulate the channels right so when there's like channel mm-hmm. confusion and channel, uh, channel fatigue, then you know it can help mm-hmm. regulate the channels. Do you use this contralateral needling or that kind of contralateral stimulation method uh, for other point pairs or do you only do that on the four gates or. I,
1: yeah I don't I don't do that with four gates but. Um, if if I am doing mutes, that's the contralateral, needling right technique, then that's the only time I would do that. I guess. Okay,
0: yeah, I just I think I just copied what Dr. Wang did, so I do it for the uh, four gates, but I don't do it with the other uh, point pairs, like for that like cross stimulation. Mm-hmm. I don't know what you how would you call it. Um,
1: <laughs> figure eight.
0: <laughs> figure eight. Um, let's see. There's there's another question. Oh, let's go into this one. This is a fun question. This is a question I think a lot of people ask us is, if we feel channel changes, should we feel those channel changes change after our treatment? For example, if a hard audio feels, will it feel more soft, or would small granules disappear?
1: Mm-hmm. Um, I, I think it depends on the nature of the um, channel changing question. Generally, the deeper ones, the ones that correlate with more chronic issues and, and more severe issues, then you wouldn't expect to, um, to find a, an immediate change right after needling um, a treatment point, for instance. I think that's something that you would find um, to have changes over time with regular treatment but if it's something um if it's a channel change that correlates with more like newer more acute issues that are relatively more shallow in nature sometimes you can feel them disappear or you know um get softer or um become more subtle is that what you find too john
0: um yeah i would say that that is i've also seen that same uh, pattern that if it's a deeper, harder change, then usually either it takes some, like, sometimes I think we have to think about, like, the goal of the treatment, right? The goal of the treatment isn't always just to see those channel changes disappear, right? Because the patient comes in not by saying, oh, I have channel channel changes, like, please change my channel changes, right? (laughs) Like, that's very rare. However, in China, you do have some people who have taken, like, Doctor, read Dr. Wong's book, are taking classes with us. And they're like, I have channel yeah. changes. How do you get rid of this? Like the audio. Funny. But like the goal is like, they have a symptom, right? They're like, I have a headache or I have like, you know, uh, fibroids or, you know, uterine fibroids, or I have, you know, like loose stools and they, your goal yeah. is to treat that, right? So you're, I think what Dr. Wong's focus was always on the chief complaint and the, and the, the symptom, mm-hmm. right? And to see the symptom change. But then generally yeah. what happens if you select the right channel on the right point and you're regulating it in the right way then oftentimes the channels will also recover, right? They'll improve, right? So if they're nodules, they'll become smaller or right. disappear. But then like what you're, what you're saying is that like if they're like very deep, hard nodules, and sometimes it takes much longer time for them to disappear. But also in some cases, they might not disappear, right? Sometimes some patients might have those very deep, hard nodules for a long time, but then they're symptomatically, they might improve.
1: Right, because some of these um, like deep-rooted, um, symptoms, they're re- they're kind of reflective of something constitutional that or something that has become constitutional for the patient. So in that case, then you wouldn't see the channel change disappear. It's always going to be there as reflective of, of some changes in their deeper constitution, yeah. so to speak. And so um, I guess the idea, um, the, the overall idea is that you're choosing point pairs based on the energetic pattern of disharmony and so um, by setting something into motion to help um, regulate that pattern of disharmony then th- that's that's what's important right not trying to um, not trying to get rid of a channel change right then and there it's all about um, undoing that pattern of disharmony or or getting rid of the the underlying patterns that led to that pathology. Yeah, definitely. Uh, Yeah, so whether or not the channel changes will disappear or or get lighter, uh, that's something that will happen naturally as the patient gets better. But I don't find that, uh, again, I don't find that for a lot of these um, chronic cases or even acute cases that that these channel changes will change so um, quickly, like within the same session.
0: And also, like what we were mentioning earlier before we start recording, that depends on the type of change too, right? So, so mm-hmm. like patients, like if we're treating, like I think it's often if you see patients with, we say hypertonicity. So like the the muscles around the channel are really tense. Those changes, right. I think, are it's often you can feel them change during the like after the treatment, right? Immediately after the treatment, like the muscles can often become softer, after right, right? more relaxed. And that, those are usually for like, especially for like channel sinew disorders or things like that. That's quite common I would say
1: yeah but I think for right for hypertonicity um hardness um things that that are more diffuse um not not so concentrated like the lumps and the nodules I I find that those are harder to get rid of
0: yeah definitely, definitely
1: yeah but when it comes to like um a change in the the tissue integrity along the entire channel Uh, that to me is more of a more superficial um kind of channel change Mm -hmm. as opposed to lumps and nodules you know things like that or even congealed collaterals I mean Mm. again I don't know if there is a standardized translation for but I always I've kind of gotten used to saying congealed collaterals what do you use for that
0: I just want to mention one thing is that before I answer the question, um, yeah. but I think like in, I would say for the majority of patients, though, well, over a course of treatments, like you can see, like as you were mentioning earlier, you can see like the nodules or lumps slowly change in nature in some way, right? Like, like if it's like a normal nodule or normal lump, it's not too deep, not too hard. Like it's either mm. it's a superficial level or in our middle level, or there might be a string of these nodules, like from, for example, on the lung channel from lung six to lung five, or from spleen six to spleen nine, you might feel a lot of um, lumps. Like over a course of treatment, they can start to become s- either reduce in number or they could become smaller or they become softer. Mm-hmm. Or, yeah. I think that's but coming. It yeah, it takes mm-hmm. time. Yeah. And usually what happens at the same time, like hopefully, is that if you're regulating the right channel, then symptoms are also improving too. Right.
1: right. Yeah. That's the most important thing. Right? Yeah.
0: Yeah. 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 Um, so what was your question?
1: Oh, I was just asking you what your translation, uh, what your translation for jie luo was.
0: Oh, right. So I, I still call it. I just call it uh, stick-like. Not. Okay. I think I just whatever Jason wrote. I think I think that's why okay. I just use that. Just that because out at the convenience, I just say stick-like. I think like uh, possibly Yafim and Nisa like to call them. They'd like to describe those like um, uh, spaghetti or like noodles or things like <laughs> okay. that. Or, but but the congealed nodules or collaterals or however what you want to call them, stick-like changes, they can also be different, right? Yeah. Their nature of them can be different. They can be sometimes very thin, yeah. sometimes very thick, yeah. sometimes it can feel like, you know, a piece of spaghetti or like or like yeah. but sometimes it can be very thin, like a really thin thread, yeah. right? So it can be very a wire. Yeah, mm-hmm. a wire, yeah. Actually, for people who don't know, Mei Lee wrote an article about the common channel changes, right? And that can be found on our Uh, website the uh, channelpillpatient.org
1: yeah i I translated so long ago it's it's actually translation of dr Wong's um um, material that i compiled
0: we'll just answer one last question and the question is i think this is a question from it might be from Corey, and the question is how do you decide to drain a point versus tonifying a point
1: that's a good question. I'm I'm always going to say it depends on the the pattern of disharmony, the symptoms in question, and the overall um, findings from channel palpation. I mean, so for instance, if let's say, I think the the example he gave was lung five spleen nine.
0: I think it's like from a uh, case in the. Oh okay. In the in the channel Theory there in Chinese medicine book he said on page ninety two.
1: Okay. Um, I don't remember what case that was, but I would imagine, um, if you look at the signs and symptoms, if they if they relate more to um, stagnation or excess in the tie-in, um, then that's why a draining technique was chosen rather than a tonifying one. And I think the overall um, nature of long five fascia is more regulating, so that's why you know a draining technique would be chosen over a tonifying one. What's your take on that, John?
0: Well, I, I just remember what Dr. Wan said about um, just tonifying or uh, draining a point. Usually, he would say it depends on how the point itself feels, right? So remember, like if a point itself feels Deficient right like you you mm-hmm. needle the point and then you feel like it feels very empty in, in it inside mm-hmm. then it doesn't matter if there's excess or deficiency in the in constitution as a whole he's just focused on the point itself. If the point itself feels very empty or deficient, then he'd use a tonifying technique if it feels very tense or tight or excess, then he'd use a draining technique so that uh, that was his general approach, but I think it was most clearly seen in points like for example like do 14 right remember when like he would be kneeling do 14 and be like oh this is like really empty and you can see him start to use very strong like tonifying technique and if it felt very tense and tight then he'd use this uh draining technique i would say generally speaking he used a general thrusting kind of technique right so um like a neutral uh technique
1: that's right so um i was gonna say that i remember the whole time that i observed him He rarely would say, I'm going to do a draining technique on this point now, or I'm going to do a tonifying technique. I don't remember him saying that at all. And I remember a lot of people asking him the same question. And he would always say, "Um, well, you know, when I'm needling the point, if I feel that it's like there's no resistance at all, then that would be um, a point that's deficient. Just like you said, then he would do uh, whatever... It, whatever was necessary with the with the manual manipulation to make that point feel tighter and have more resistance so it's all about just letting the body do what it needs to do
0: i think that's good uh, for answering some of the questions there, there's some questions we weren't able to get to so we could uh get to these in a future class uh that class sorry episode and um so, but if you do have questions, where you can still ask us on Facebook or Instagram or email us, and then we can try to answer them on um, answer them here. Um, uh, there are some quite quite a few questions I wasn't able to, we weren't able to get to yet. But um, so yeah. I think that's about it. Visual so thanks, <laughs> yeah. So thanks, May. It was good to seeing you and talking to you again.
1: Nice yeah. chatting with you, John. As always. Yeah, have, I have a good day.
0: have fun in hawaii enjoying paradise
1: (laughs) oh well paradise is a lot of work too but (laughs) okay have a good one everyone thanks for tuning in